different than what it is now. It used to have an irrigation channel running right through under where the building is now. And uh, I remember the, the rules were after church you could run around in the tennis court if you're one of the kids, but you weren't to go near the channel. And I don't know what happened one summer evening, me and my cousin Graham Amory and a good mate of mine still, Graham King, we all ride together still, so... What happened didn't destroy our relationship, but um, I don't know how old, we're probably five or six or seven. We ended up, we fell in the channel. I don't know how it happened, but my dad gave me a hiding and threw me in the back of our old Zephyr on the seat all wet. <coughs> Graham's dad threw him in the back on the old custom line and we were howling our eyes out after getting a hiding in the back and Kingy was the same and... And I remember that was the first time I sort of realised there was injustice in the world. That I couldn't have done anything wrong and I got to hide and then got wet. So, you know, life's funny, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Hey, um, I got a message this morning I don't really want to preach. Um, it's about a subject that I hate and uh, not really looking forward to it. It's extensive. I want to preach on it. I need to. Uh, and I'll explain it as I go along, but um, two weeks ago, uh, Pam preached well last week, didn't she? Great, great word. She's a great preacher. She does a lot of preaching. She practices on me, and uh, I've had some great messages the last few weeks. One about, was titled, I think, Keeping Your Yard Tidy, and I've got a, another one about keeping the shed tidy, and uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> They're not podcasts, you can't hear them, but it's uh, unfortunately. So. <laughs> but uh, the week before, we started to preach out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Just that one verse. And next week, I'm going to preach out of the verses that follow, out of the same place. But the verse is this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So the writer of Hebrews is explaining that uh, he's likening our um, our uh, Christian journey to a race, a race of faith, if you like, and and explaining that as we run, because if if we run our life in faith, if we live our life in faith, that pleases God and that's what we want to be doing, we want to be pleasing God. And so if we do that, there are three things, he says, in this verse that we're going to have to deal with. And so last, uh, two weeks ago, we dealt with unnecessary weight. And obviously when you run, you don't want to run heavy, do you? If you're going to ride a horse in the Melbourne Cup, they wear silk and everything as light, as light, as light as they can get and and uh, you don't turn up with your overalls and your heavy work boots on to ride the horse, do you? you want light? Because they've got to carry the weight. We've got to carry weight. And at times we can pick up unnecessary things and get involved in things that just slow us down and don't do us any good at all. But you would have to go back and listen to the podcast to catch that one. Today I want to do sin. And that's why I said I don't like preaching sin if you preach grace or salvation or blessing or provision or, you know, all the great stuff out of the word of God. When you prepare a message, don't you? You get blessed doing it like you think, oh, his grace is so good. 
And I can't say this week, oh, I've just so enjoyed seeing it. It's, it's, I just love it. It's so good. I hate it. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to go there, you know. But uh, ultimately, if, you, if sin's not dealt with, it'll kill you. And I, I was sitting in the football club rooms, the All Blacks there, a few weeks ago uh, with a table full of guys, and one of them was a, a, a Christian man very legalistic fellow but he's he's born again i know that and uh, some of the one of the guys said oh he said i don't know you eat all the right stuff and get fit and then you drop dead he had an uncle who was you know fit and he'd been a runner all his life and had this massive heart attack and dropped dead and there was nothing wrong with him it was some hereditary thing and you know and he said what's the point of you know and someone else said yeah well i Something such, we know, they had a, uh, I think it was a family member, uh, sadly. Um, it was very fit and healthy in particular and uh, got run over by a car and killed a few weeks ago in Melbourne. And, and, uh, and they're just saying, yeah, you can do all the right things and, and get killed. And then they all had to go and left me and the Christian fellow there. And he said, well, the point is, regardless of what you eat or how you live your life, if you don't deal with sin, it'll kill you anyway. And he's so right. So it's a thing that we need to deal with. So um, uh, let me start this morning, uh, you know, let us strip off every weight and, uh, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, trips us up, entangles us. I don't know if any of you have ever had uh, things to do with horses, but uh, when we was young on the farm, we had horses before we had motorbikes to round the cattle up, which I found much better, I must say. Uh, they do what you tell them and uh, the horses often didn't do that and so I've ended up in a few irrigation channels after a horse bolted off on me too but but uh, sometimes uh, we'd round up cattle and be working on them and the horse would stay there and eat the grass and we got this one and he'd just take off on you so uncle used to whack these hobbles on its front feet and so it slows them down they they can buck and kick a bit but they can't go that just keeps them in the area so you can catch them quick <coughs> but sin trips us up it wrecks our race and something we really need to watch out for so three weeks ago I preached to you from the first uh, book of John chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 you might remember the message I think it might have been podcast too if you want to check back to it about the uh, the truth that we like the Apostles and, and uh, that have gone before are able to live in deep, intimate relationship with God. It's a wonderful ch- uh, intro to the book of John that John talks about, you know, uh, uh, the deepness and the oneness of relationship we can have with God. You get to verse 5 and he starts talking about sin. And so I want to go back to First John. I haven't forgotten that I started there and talk about sin today. Let me read from... Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 9, probably leave one or two verses out just for time reasons today because I'm going to struggle with this. So it says this, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That was verse 6, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And if you go back to verses 1 to 4, we certainly have fellowship with him. 
And, it, and, and this is so powerful. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that beautiful? Like sin's a problem, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That is absolute truth today. I want you to know that. So I don't want this to bury you and think, oh, sin, 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 sin. Oh, I'm not coming back here. Please don't do that. I'm, I'll finish off good, okay? I'll do my best. But uh, verse 9, another powerful, powerful verse. If we confess our sin, what's it say? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And again, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's beautiful. So, uh, so powerful. It's, it's, I guess you could say it's ongoing forgiveness. When we come to Christ, our sin, our old life is forgiven. It's dealt with. It, our sins, as far as the east is from the west, it's gone. When we confess it and come to Jesus at salvation, it's dealt with. He doesn't put it away to bring it back against us. It, it, it's gone. It's, it's disappeared. It's dealt with forever. It's absolutely incredible. But... You know, John wrote there, if we sin, if we sin, and so uh, we do sin, and so we, we, if we confess that sin, we get ongoing forgiveness. It's not like, oh, I've saved you, and now you've sinned. Oh, well, that's it, I'll write you off. That's, uh, no, God doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't do that. We, we, we can receive forgiveness. If we confess sin, it's dealt with and done with and gone as well. So... Um, it's just a fact that our old sinful nature, which was supposed to have died, and we, we had a funeral service when we were baptised, didn't we? And it got buried in the waters of baptism. But unfortunately, because we are still human and we still have our whole human nature, there are times when it rises its ugly head again and causes us problem, and that's where the sin issue comes from. And so... Uh, uh, you know, uh, we've got a few points I should try and keep to them so I can keep up and not, uh, not fit this in today, but uh, circumstances happen. Uh, what happens on a day if everything goes wrong? You think, oh, this is great. I just love days like this. Yeah, I like that song of Van Morrison's. Yeah, Mama told me there'd be days like this. I should sing it to you like shoe, but... Uh, uh, I like days like this. I don't like days when everything goes wrong. But, you know, I've seen guys working and everything goes wrong and in the end, wow, you get an explosion of anger and was it a deliberate thing? I'm going to get angry today. It was a reaction to something that happened to an unregenerate person and they've lost it and got angry. It's a sin. It's a sin if we as Christians lose it and get angry. It's it's not, you know, it, it's a sin. It's, most of call black black and white white it's a sin when we do that uh, everything goes wrong the next day so on the third day we get out of bed on the wrong side and that's a choice we make and then everyone's backing away from us looking for space because we're angrier and angrier and uh, you know what I mean don't you there's things we react to someone you know bails you up and gives you a big rev and you think oh you mongrel you me and that's not good that's sin on our part it might have been on theirs but it doesn't make our reaction not sin and uh, can you see what I'm saying it's not that we thought well I'm going to today look for someone that I can just really hate because they called me something it sort of happens because life happens and it causes it to happen and so um, 
Uh, it's the way it sort of kind of works. You get caught in an awkward situation. Well, did you see him do that? And you think, oh, I don't want to get him. No, I didn't see anything. It's a lie. And we're not supposed to tell lies. And it's, it comes as a reaction to something that's happened, etc., etc. Honesty is such a powerful thing. Christians should be the most honest people in the whole world, okay? It should just be like that. Uh, you know, someone gets into strife about something and, hey, Jenny, did you hear about such and such? Well, they're going to gossip. This is a foul sin, you know? Like, uh, think, well, I've never stolen anything. Well, if you gossip's as bad as you can get, really. Like, uh, and so all those things, and so I'm going to call them today and the... If there's any theologians here or if someone listens to the podcast of this, they'll say, well, I don't know that that's sort of scripturally sound. Well, can I call them natural sins? They sort of come out of our natural old nature and, you know, we we react to circumstances and, you know, we can get angry and then we can get angry with the kids and then everything's wrong and I'm thinking, man, oh, man. So I'll show you under, you know, I'm not the only one that's had that happen, am I? Surely. You, you, all, you all waving at me, yeah, yeah, I know. I know what it's like. I'm preaching today as a sinner that's saved by grace, okay? I'm no better than anyone else. Being a pastor does not make you better than anyone else, I promise you that, okay? You struggle with the same things. And uh, so can we call them natural sins for maybe want of something better? But I want you to understand it today. The answer for that you will find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, which says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if we will walk in the spirit, and, and my martial translation of that would say, if you live, if you walk in the spirit, if you read your Bible, if you pray, if you build up your spirit part and uh, recognise and, uh, and through the word and prayer grow the Holy Spirit. It's not like you can grow him, but trying to explain it today. So your spirit part becomes stronger than the old fleshly nature. Then when something happens, you think, no, Lord, I'm not going to react to that. I'm going to pray about that. I'm gonna, and, and, and it's the only answer there is. And I'll give you answers as we go, as we finish today about how we can deal with sin. But that is the answer for that. It's to get the, uh, and, and work on letting God. And, and again, see, the good part is if we will let him, he will help us to grow our spirit part. It's not something we have to do ourselves. If we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, he will help us grow stronger in that part. And it's not to say that in our human weakness that at times we won't lose it, like we all do. Remember the night I shut the door on the 200B dats and a little harder than normal and the window broke. And, I, you know, like it just sometimes... But again, I've been working since 4.30 in the morning, Dale, up in Beechworth, breaking me buckets on rock and got home and there's no car there and find out that it's broken down down the street. And, oh, just what I need at 10 o'clock at night. So got it started and then it stopped. Oh, close the door. <laughs> the glass kept going. <laughs> so I understand, okay? Life happens, but that is the key to it. But I want to talk further about sin this morning, about a different type of sin. And you find John talking about this in 1 John chapter 3. 
And this, this is, I want to cover this, but I, if I read all the verses, it would take all my time today. Read the first book of John. It's a great, it's not a long book. It's a blessing to read it. And uh, read it yourselves and you will know what I'm saying is right. But can I read from uh, chapter 3, verses 4? Uh, and again, I will, uh, I'll read 4 and 5 and 6, 8 and 9, just for reasons of time this morning. John says this, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. That's simple, isn't it? We can understand that. Verse 5, you know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. We understand that. Verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Down to verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Oh, wow, that's getting a bit close to the edges, isn't it? Who makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in them and they cannot sin or they cannot keep on sinning because they have been born of God. So what does that mean? If, it, if we're born again, we can't sin. Is that what it's saying? Well, that's what it said. So why am I telling you that we, we sin naturally? Well, it's talking of something different here. It's, it's talking of a lifestyle of sin or habitual sin, we could call it in the old language. It's talking of a lifestyle of sin. And if we're born again and the spirit of God's in us, his spirit will convict us when we sin. Who's ever done something and you just feel that? You know, I can remember telling a guy at work the truth one day. He was just acting like a real jerk. And, and man, he was getting me heated up. And so I told him a couple of truthful things. And when I went home and tried to pray that night, I could, all I could see was this bloke. And I just thought, oh, Lord, okay, leave me alone. I'll apologise the next day. You know, like we... we that's, that's how it sort of works, isn't it? But um, uh, it's a lifestyle of sin. And uh, it's when a Christian knows that the way they're living is sinful, but they keep on doing it anyway. They may even try and legitimise what they're doing. And you, you can't live in sin or a lifestyle of sin. You just can't do that. And uh, it really is serious, serious stuff. Uh, it's when people will not make any attempt to change or let God change them. And uh, if you read through the book of John, it really is serious stuff. Because uh, John uh, queries there whether people are really Christians if that happens. Like he said, you're of the devil if that goes on and on. And, and you think, wow, well, that's a bit scary. I don't want to be of that. I want to know what this is and what I've got to do about that because I want to run my race well. Amen? Who wants to run their race well? So um, it's more a a lifestyle of sin. And and look, there's so many things that could explain it this morning. I knew a man who used to make his living out of uh, receiving stolen goods and on selling them. And you make a lot of money selling things cheap when you get it for nothing, stealing from someone, got saved. He said, oh, it doesn't matter. They get insurance of it, you know. God doesn't want to take away my income. God does so want to take away your... He wants to change you so you make it honestly and not out of that. 
And he was happy to keep living like that. His life would get into all sorts of trouble and then he got charged by the police. And where's God? God's where he's always, always was. You've got to change your lifestyle. You can't keep living in sin or a lifestyle of sin. can't do that. We can make, you know, you almost have some sympathy at times for people making sort of roguish claims on the taxation department because they... They're hungry people and they like every cent they can get off you, don't they? But we, we need to conduct our affairs honestly. We can't live a dishonest lifestyle. Uh, you know, we talked about the thing of anger before. Some people live a lifestyle of anger. I've worked with guys and you just know when you get to work that day for this certain person, there's going to be anger. As soon as he gets on the job, something will be wrong he gets angry about. Yelling and screaming, I knew this guy that... He was shocking and he would abuse you when it got on the job. And He built a set of retirement units in Wodonga and, and uh, we did all the earthworks and drainage and I arrived on the job and he came running out of his office. Come here, I want to talk to you. I've just set all this job out and if you knock one peg over on this job, you'll be... His veins are jumping out of his... He just lives like that. He's just angry, angry, angry. I've only ever had one decent bloke work on a job of mine that never knocked anything over and I've never found another one like it. You hit one peg and you're off this site, you know, and he's real. Yeah, welcome to work, you know, it's great, isn't it? I feel, I feel so good. <laughs> I said, who was, who was that bloke? Oh, I don't know what his name was. He, he uh, was working on a job over at the Myrtleford Hospital for his brother-in-law, Dougie Cooper. And I said, oh, yeah, I think you might find that was me, Daryl. Oh, that's that, is that you? Oh, oh, yeah. But it, and then the, then the crane driver turned up and he got the same treatment. Oh, just angry, angry, angry lifestyle. And you, well, it's almost funny, but it's sad when Christians get like that. Like you can't live a lifestyle of that. Somewhere it's got to be dealt with. Somewhere God needs to do something in someone's life if it gets like that. And uh, there's, there's so many things, living with someone in a sexual relationship when you're not married. Everyone does it. Well, I don't care if they do. It's wrong according to God. It's a lifestyle of sin. And when you live a lifestyle of sin, there's no blessing in it. Mate, I want, I, I want and I need all the blessing I can get. And you can put yourself in a position where you get blessed or you can put yourself outside that. And uh, I need, as your pastor, to tell you what's right and what's wrong. I'm not brushing anything over. And there's a whole lot more things than that, but I'd be here all day if I kept going. And so um, we need to uh, really look at the issue and deal with sin like that. And I, I do have some good stuff and some answers that uh, can come in a, little bit, in a little bit more time. But I need to cover this next area as well. I wanted to do it today. I have mentioned it just a few weeks ago briefly, but it's something you need to clearly understand. Basically, sin is sin. So if I go down today and rob the ANZ, it's sin. I'm sure there's a young lady here who would agree that's sin if I did that. Uh, if I went and stole a pen or something from you, that's sin too. And God doesn't say, oh, that's a one degree, or that's it, it's sin. It, it's lawlessness, it, it puts you outside the blessing of God, it, it's sin. If you scream at your wife, uh, that's sin. If you scream at the boss, it's the same, even though he might be a whatever else, you just, 
Sin basically is sin, but sexual sin is really, really serious. According to the word of God, God made us. I'll listen to what he says about it. I don't care what everyone's doing. I want to know what God says we should do. 1 Corinthians 6.15 Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take then the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, says Paul. And I would also add in there, I'm not talking about a man or a woman sleeping with prostitutes. That can be sex outside of marriage. It's either adultery or fornication, whatever you like, would fit into there as well. Um, it's the same deal. Uh, verse 16, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute or to a person outside their marriage, or uh, if you're not married, joined to a, a, a person, becomes one body with her or with him? It works both ways, girls. For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. Just get out of it. It, is, it's, it really is harmful, I promise you. Uh, and that verse is, a, is, a, is, is an incredibly powerful key. Flee, just get out. Just get out. I mean, and I have been offered sex as a married man. I've, a young lady, a very pretty young lady, said, I haven't got cash to pay, but if you want to come in and go to bed, I'll pay you off that way. Mate, I just get out of there. I'm not even staying there. I just like in your in your humanness. If you, you get, I mean, I can see how th- people get into trouble. You just got to get out of there. What did Joseph do when Potiphar's wife was trying to tempt him? Like she grabbed his coat and he ran and left it there. Got him into all sorts of trouble. He just got out. Sometimes you just need to get out. And with sexual stuff, you just need to get out. I'm telling you, man or woman, it doesn't matter. Excuse me. Uh, flee from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against their own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus, that is. So glorify God in your body. Can you see what the Bible is teaching us here? When we get saved and we, we ask Jesus into our life, ask him to forgive our sin, come in. Be our Lord and be our saviour. His spirit comes into us. And it doesn't sit here and <clears throat> our spirit's there. It, it, it comes into our spirit like God lives in us. It's a, it's a mystery truth, if you like it. It's hard to explain, but God, the Holy Spirit, lives in each of us if you're born again. So then what he's saying is if you go out and sin sexually, what goes on here? Because what people in the world have no clue about, all the, all the sex experts I read stuff at times and they know stuff and this and that, they haven't got a clue. Because when you unite physically with someone, it's not just physical, it is spiritual. Something of two spirits comes together when, when a husband and wife, it's a beautiful thing. It's not for outside marriage. There's a reason for that because it involves spirit-to-spirit relationship. It is very, very, very deep. So what Paul is writing there, what God is telling us through Paul, is if, 
you're united with me and then you go out and sin sexually, well, what goes on here? Because is his spirit going to stay in a person if they're connecting with someone who is ungodly? And it's a, it's a deep question, isn't it? And so I'm not saying whether the person is lost or whatever. All I'm saying is it's very dangerous ground and I wouldn't want to go there. The Bible gives us clear warning, like just don't go there. Uh, it's a sin against your own body. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's the reason at times when we, we need to do some deliverance ministry with people who have been uh, involved sexually uh, in whatever way that might have happened through abuse or a past relationship because that spirit thing is still there and it needs breaking off and dealing with so people can get free of that. And praise God, through him, that can happen. There's no problem with that. That can happen. Like None of this is unforgivable, but it needs dealing with. And it's something we really need to watch. There was a report in the, the press about, I think it was two or three weeks ago, it says that every woman carries the DNA of any man they've ever had sex with. And uh, it was a new study and apparently that gets implanted in a lady somehow. I never read the detail of it, but it's, it's a deep thing. It's not just a physical thing that feels good, let's do it, who cares? It's way, 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 way more serious than that. And we really do need to, to watch out for it. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, not too hard or too easy. I just want you to understand that it's... a. Uh, like God, God, sex is a blessing in a marriage. It's a beautiful one. It's a fantastic one. But it needs to be in its right space. I can't stand here today and say, oh, I don't like sex. You've got to watch that. Man, it's great. In its right place. And, uh, yeah, praise God. So what am I doing here today? Uh, the whole issue of sin is a, is a serious thing. Let me just deal with ways of dealing with sin. Can I do that? I've got a few points here this morning, finish up. Maybe lift the load of sin. We preached about sin. I can't stand. Number one, remember 1 John 1, 7 and, and 1, 9. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That is fact. That is truth. You know, I, I witnessed, I talked with a, a former employer of mine about Jesus and about the need for salvation, and he could see it. He, could, he, he did not disagree with me. He, he could see what I was talking about, but he said, you don't know me. He said, I've, I've, I've been too bad. I said, no, mate, no. Nothing is too bad. There is nothing like the blood of Christ can forgive. An old hymn shoe that we used to sing, I don't know which one it was, can forgive the vilest sin. And like, it's his grace. I don't know how that works out. You think he might forgive in degrees, but God doesn't. He forgives. And so there is no sin too great. And so you've got to remember that, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, you know, I could probably stop there. I mean, that, that is, they're profound. God forgives. Jesus forgives. And we need to understand that. Number two, we need to know that we haven't, you know, Jesus is not an accuser. He is our advocate. He's like our 
lawyer or our solicitor or our uh, someone that uh, is on our side, like uh, praying and, and uh, uh, he's working on our behalf. He's not working against us. Uh, in First uh, John uh, chapter 2, verse 1, the end part of the verse says, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So he's not accusing us and thinking, oh, I can't wait till they trip up again. I'm really going to get them. He's there. He's on our side, okay? He understands. He lived in a human body on the earth. He knows the deal, okay? And uh, uh, incredible. He, he understands. Uh, Romans 8.1, and you will know this verse, I'm sure there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, I think that's a great key to not living a sinful lifestyle. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to live in Him, if that makes sense. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I want to explain in a minute that we don't have to live in a uh, a sinful lifestyle. Uh, uh, Romans, uh, the verses in Romans about no condemnation actually follow on what I want to read to you now, and I, and I really need to read you this this morning. I'm going to read it this, these verses out of Romans chapter 7 from the Old Living Bible, not the new one, the old one. Uh, and uh, it, it's got some things I probably, you know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be my main reading Bible at all, but in some things I think it just makes it simple and plain and it's pretty straight. Uh, because Paul, you know, the great apostle, he, he dealt with sin too. He had issues like you read about, about Paul. Like uh, he had a bit of a fiery temper. He wasn't just a nice little pushover, weak little fella, Paul. And he had a Barney with Silas and he had a Barney with Barnabas. That goes well, doesn't it? Barney, Barney with... That he told him, you're not bringing him with him, get him out of here. And he was wooing and unforgiving and wouldn't give an inch. And what he can see how he's mellowed through his time in ministry. He's aware of sin. He knows what it's about too. The same, the, the apostles, we all, you know, Peter, poor old Peter kept sticking his foot in his mouth half his life. And, and uh, we, we, you know, they've all dealt, they've all worked the same journey, but walked the same journey, but they got there by faith. And that's why it says there's a great crowd of witnesses one day, you know, like uh, they've, they've succeeded. We can do it, okay? But... Uh, Paul understands, Jesus understands this. Like, the, you know, he is the word. Like, uh, the Holy Spirit's inspired Paul to write this and uh, he knows the fight. Let me read it from the Living Bible, Romans, starting in 15 down to uh, uh, the end of the chapter. I don't understand myself at all. And you will, you will relate to this. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do, what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is the sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. I know how rotten through and through, I, I know I am rotten, sorry, through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. Does anyone... anyone relate to that I can remember growing up as a young fella struggling with things that I knew were sinful and I'm not going to do that again 
I think, oh, my goodness, I've done it again. You know, like I didn't mean to do that. God, help me, and I'm never going to think about that again. That's not right. Then, yeah, I've been doing it again, you know, like, and you think, well, what's wrong with me? And then you read this, you think, okay, someone else has been here. Someone else has walked this path as well. And so um, where do we go? I can't. That's why I can't. In verse 19, when I want to do good, I don't. When I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. I'm sorry I'm laughing. We, we know the journey, don't we? Uh, we do it anyway. Now, if I am doing what I don't want to do, it's plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. I want to do that. But there is something else deep within me in my lower nature, and that's the old sinful nature that is at war with my mind, and that's where the battle takes place, folks. I'm I'm adding bits in here. And wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is? My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. What a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? Thank God it's been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Isn't that beautiful? And that's when it goes on to say there is therefore now no condemnation. Therefore you go back and look what it's there for because of what Jesus does. He doesn't condemn us. He understands that when we get into the old flesh that some of that stuff's going to come out and he doesn't wipe us if we confess our sin he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness it can be dealt with okay doesn't matter how bad sin is and it's it can be dealt with so just some verses here that are encouraging point number three first corinthians ten thirteen: no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's a powerful verse. And you think, well, Jesus wasn't tempted like I was. You know, I've been tempted and he, he's never been where I am. Yes, he has. He walked as a man on the earth. There were also women present. And I mean, some idiots make, they've got a theory that he, he didn't, uh, he, and he got knocked out, the cross didn't kill him, and then when he come to, he married Mary Magdalene, and like, what a load of garbage. But there was women around, there was, there was all sorts of sin around, he could have chosen to go where he wanted to, he did not sin. But he knows the temptation. And when you're really being tempted about something, you have not been tempted above what any other human has been tempted. Okay, and it's a great scripture, but there's power in that. And he will make a way of escape if you trust him, if you cry out to him. Yeah, praise God. Second uh, Corinthians 12, 9, you, you know it, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, Paul was going through a physical thing, but you can be going through a temptation thing. Whatever it is, his grace is sufficient. His grace will work you okay it's really 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 powerful so point number four is this we need to understand god's grace we're saved by grace through faith is that right that's how it works and from then on we're to live 
by his grace, by faith. The same grace that saved us is able to empower us to live a life that doesn't habitually sin. Uh, that, that is just the truth of the word of God and I will run out of time if I'm not careful this morning. But, uh, but we don't have to sin. You know, First John 2.1, my little children, I'm writing you these things that you may not sin. And, and so you've, you've got to understand uh, the way that grace works. Like God's grace is amazing. And when we've been a Christian and we trip up, and even if it's a bad sin, we can be forgiven if we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. I want you to get the verse and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it's the habitual thing. It's the living in sin, the lifestyle that doesn't work. It's like if your child knocked the glass of milk over on the table. And, you know, you, you probably you might get angry. I don't know. You might say, hey... You've got, you got to watch that. Look, it's gone every, you know. Put the glass here so you don't knock it over. And so have you got that? Yeah, yeah, mum, yeah, dad, whatever it is. And the next day, bang, over it goes again. And so what are you going to say? Oh, darling, that's wonderful. <laughs> Feel free to keep, I'll, I'll have grace, it's fine. Just knock them over. I guarantee it wouldn't happen like that. After some time, there'd be something going on that would pull the child up pretty smartly, I'm sure. Otherwise, you're silly. Um... You know, they can't just keep knocking it over every day. Oh, thanks, Mum. Grace, grace, grace. Grace empowers us to, to, you know, we're saved by grace, but that same grace is there to empower us to live a life that doesn't sin. It's not just to say, oh, sorry, God. Sorry, God. Sorry, God. Oh, yeah, sorry. God's got grace. You can do whatever you like. God, yeah. Doesn't matter. He's got grace, mercy. Whoa, yeah. Sin, sin, sin. Yeah, God's got grace. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It shouldn't be like that. He wants to change us to be like him and empower us not to sin. And who, who's known that since you've been a Christian, you have got a little bit better? I, I've got a little bit better. A little, I, I've got a long way to go. I'm not, I'm not saying I've crossed the line yet, but I've, uh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have got the sermon about keeping my yard tidy if I'd have it all done <laughs> Keeping the shed clean, it's, uh, yeah, maybe the car needs a wash, yeah, <laughs> I got a sermon about that once. I just have, a, I love cleaning my motorbike, I get every little speck of whatever. Fam says, maybe while you're doing that you could do the car. Cars don't excite me the same way as motorcycles do, they just don't have the same effect and... <laughs> So didn't I do it last year or the one before? It's just, yeah, anyway, long way to go. But you can't, and you understand what I mean, don't you? You can't abuse the grace of God. You can't just make no attempt. Like, and, and he will help us make the attempt, if I may say that again. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Number five, if you struggle with ongoing sin, a, a good thing can be that you make yourself accountable to someone. Come, come to one of us guys if you're a guy here or a girl to one of the, the ministry team girls or something. And it's, sometimes it's good just to, to be accountable to someone. And we can say, yeah, how you going? You know, Fred, how's your week been? And oh, it's pretty, yeah, come down and have a coffee with me after church and let's talk about it. Sometimes it's good to make yourself accountable to someone. It can help you. Someone you trust and someone who's not going to blab it and do the gossip thing to everyone. And I trust that would not happen. 
but it, it can be a really good thing to help. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've done that with uh, an old friend of mine from the church in Wodonga. Not, it wasn't a sin issue. It was just learning the ropes and learning the ministry ropes and learning stuff. And, hey, mate, if you see me doing, I want you to tell me. And I want to know, how did you, why did you do that? Why did you do it that way? Okay, just I want to learn. Um, it, it's a really smart thing to do at times. And, you know, uh, one of my, fir- the first pastor I had when I moved to Wodonga, when I married Pam, or when we moved to Wodonga together, uh, uh, we went to the church and there were six people. And it was this cold old hall and there's six people. And I thought they were just on death's door. They were all over 60. And I'm now at death's door, if that's the case. <laughs> and I got in there and I thought, oh, mate, I'm not going back here. But the Spirit of God spoke to us and said, you hang in there. So because I was young, I got all the jobs, put all the chairs out and did that. Was, that was my ministry. And then you play guitar. And I said, yeah, Pam plays keys. Oh, oh, so then we become the worship leaders, you know. And I thought, oh, mate. I didn't like it back then. I was so fearful. I'd stand up and lead worship. I was an Elvis. My legs would shake from fear. And it uh, wasn't good, I can tell you. But he came round to see me one day. And he said, I've written out a list here of things that you're not doing right. And I've written out the right way to do them. And I sort of thought, man, he came around to my place telling me what I'm not doing right. And, I, I, you know, I, I was a bit sort of... <laughs> I was nice. I was very nice to him, but I thought, yeah, you know, and I put him away on the table. I'm not looking at that garbage. But I did did sneak a look at it later that night, and and uh, the spirit of God just said to me, "He's trying to help you." And I thought, yeah, okay, okay. There's obviously, and I could see. I thought, yeah, I do do that. That's not good. So, someone to help you is a good thing. You can learn if you listen. Okay. And I am finishing now, folks. Uh, This is the last one. Don't be continual... Can we wind back the podcast? Don't be continually sin conscious. Because that'll bury you. That'll that'll just wreck you. That will. A quote by uh, Bonhoeffer. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously doing God's will. We are going to make mistakes. If you think you're never going to make a mistake in any sort of ministry, we're all in the ministry. You've got neighbours and people to reach your work with and that that I will never. We're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we could say the wrong thing. We mightn't mean to. We're human. Remember, we're human. And uh, if you sort of, oh, God, I've sinned again. I think I sinned on Tuesday. Did I ask you to forgive that? And what, oh, last week, did I... I remember on Friday I sinned, I sinned, oh, I can't have communion. This morning I'll have to write down a list of my sins so I forgive them. I've known people and they just get buried in it. Ask him to forgive you and go on and live your life. If you make a mistake genuinely, well, he'll forgive you of that. Confess your sin, amen? And it's dealt with. If you get too sin conscious, you just get useless. You can't, you know, you, you train a dog up <coughs> to be a farm dog. Uh, to work with cattle or sheep, and uh, get away back there, you know. We have yeah, beautiful dogs sometimes. Get away back, and they go up way up the, you know, into the fog in the morning, all the cows that start coming down, they go and work for you. But they had to teach them to do that. 
But if you give them a flogging with a bit of stick every time they make a mistake, in the end they'll just shake and quiver when you say and they won't do anything. And we can put ourselves in that position if we just get so sin conscious. We're human. We do it. Let's aim at getting better. Let's walk in the Spirit. Let's live in the power of the Spirit as much as we can. Read the Word. Let's pray. But let's get on and do the job too. Amen? And if you get to talk to your neighbour, well, just trust the Holy Spirit gives you the right words. If you make a blues, say sorry and have another go. Amen? Seriously. Otherwise, we'll never do anything. And uh, sin consciousness will bury you, and we don't want to go there. So... uh, Can I read you one verse and we'll finish this morning? Hebrews 4.15. I love these, 16. They're they're just such beautiful verses. Uh, Covers what we've said this morning as far as Jesus and us. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise, who cannot, sorry, sympathise with our weaknesses. Did we not say he's not an accuser, he's an advocate? He's not an accuser. He's a, uh, uh, he doesn't condemn us. Like He doesn't condemn us. He's not, not an accuser. Uh, Sympathise with our weakness. Was, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So it is possible. And outside of Jesus coming and us getting our new resurrection bodies and being with him, we're not going to make the impossible. We are still going to do it. Sorry about that, but we are. But we can, we can work on getting better, can't we? He proved that it can be done. And as I said, we're, we're not going to reach his mark, I know, but it can be done. Let us, therefore, it says in verse 16, to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what did I just say about the dog? Don't, don't get beaten up. Don't think, oh, I could. I want to talk to Jesus. I, I want to ask Him to forgive me. But oh, I sinned that same sin last week and the one before, and oh, I shouldn't have done that. And oh, He's probably angry. Just, just, He loves you. He lived here. He knows what it's like. Just talk to Him. He's not an accuser. Okay, He doesn't condemn you. And uh, we get treated by people in the world. And you made a mistake. You're off that job. You'll have to come over here. And, and People put you down, don't they? People just, the world's a horrible place. But uh, I tell you what, the grace of God is incredible. You can come to him boldly. You don't have to sort of come in and think, oh, Lord, I cover myself up here. I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I can't. Just come into the throne room. Lord, confess my sin. You don't have to go reading 10 lists out and whatever. Just confess your sin. Let him forgive it. Just start talking to him. Lord, I find that so hard. Can you help me with that? That's, that's the way it needs to be, and it can be like that, okay? Is that okay today? I don't like preaching about sin, but you need to know about it. And uh, it can be overcome. We can get better. We get better. It's probably a silly thing to say at this time in the meeting, but I know one of the Faulty Towers episodes... Basil's getting ripping into Paul Manuel and giving him a clip over the ear and telling him he's useless and all the rest. But I get better, Mr. Faulty. I'll get better, he said. And so we can get better. Yeah, praise God. Hey, why don't we stand? 
Will we sing? We're out of time. Might just play. Might just play. I'm sorry, I, I knew I would struggle to fit this in this morning, but I don't want to preach about sin next week. I want to preach about endurance. I like preaching about that, okay? I'm excited already. Because you can make it. I'm telling you, you can make the race. You can finish the race. I want to tell you about what sort of race that you're running next week. Yeah, and I've got some good keys already in the verses that follow that can help you endure the, the, uh, the race of faith. But I just want to pray for you today. And then I'm going to say then, uh, if anyone needs prayer on any 